Welcome to Innovations in Leadership, a Success Lead Radio production. This is a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are designing and implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by The Success Lead, a consulting and training firm focused on developing customer success programs that drive revenue. My name is Kristen Heyer, and I'm the host of Innovations in Leadership and the founder and CEO of The Success League. And today I'm joined by Chitra Madhwatriyula. Chitra is a senior customer and partner success leader who has 15 years of global professional experience working for companies of different sizes. Most recently, she was at HPE GreenLake and led the worldwide Customer Success Center of Excellence team that was responsible for defining and deploying CS standard workflows um, across HPE's globally distributed teams. And so today we're going to be talking about how and when to build a center of excellence and customer success, along with the ways that Chitra has approached that challenge. So Chitra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we get into our main topic, tell me how you personally ended up in the field of customer success. It has been an interesting journey. So my first foray into a customer engagement role 15 plus years back was actually in the field of professional services. Customer success as a practice really did not exist at that time. So if you were in customer engagement, you were either in services or you were doing consulting or you were doing support. I entered the industry in that capacity. I was working for this company called Tipco Software, where I was a global business architect rolling up to the VP of business architecture within the professional services group. It was a very interesting role. It was actually designated as a firefighting role because we were assigned the most complex uh, engagements in both the pre-sales phase and also the post-sales phase. So, you know, I, I did things like technical reviews, solution architecture for our customers or pre-sales POCs. And you name it, I've done it. And across a wide swath of customers. So really baptism by fire kind of a situation. And from Tipco, I evolved into my next role, which was at LinkedIn of a staff technical program manager in what was called the recruitment product consulting team. And about midway through my tenure, I think there was a realization that this group should actually be called customer success. And then we rebranded that whole group as customer success. And that was really my first formal foray into customer success. And since then, I've gone from strength to strength, building out customer success teams and practices globally. I've delved into a lot of sub-functions within customer success, like customer success management, managed services, technical and business consulting. I've uh, launched uh, customer success offerings. We've taken them, go to, uh, launched customer success offerings formally with a goal of, you know, not only plugging some of the gaps that some of our products might have, but also for, you know, reducing that time, the pre-sales cycle and making sure that we are able to maximize the first time to value for our customers. So I have a you know, pretty relatively broad experience in customer success, so to speak, but also all the other um, surrounding functions that now encompass actually more than customer success. I think customer success by definition has become a lot more narrower now than it used to be about 10 years back. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been more defined as a function. I think that as a, you know, kind of a topic, it's still fairly broad in the field, but we're going to talk about centers of excellence. And I think, you know, if you come from a consulting background, I think, you know, 
what we're talking about. I know that there's some people who are listening who are maybe working for smaller companies or might be earlier in their careers, and they might be thinking, what is a center of excellence? Can you define what that means for the audience? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'd like to start by saying that center of excellence is not a new concept. You know, it might be new to customer success, but centers of excellence have existed for quite a while now. And if you think about them, really, you know, the focus of building a center of excellence is threefold. One is to promote operational excellence. And that's where, you know, the term excellence comes from, essentially, in this context. The second is to promote scale. So scale of operations. And the third is to make sure that you are providing a consistent experience to your customers, to your internal stakeholders, you know, whoever your target audience is. So if you combine these three themes, then you know really that is the essence of building out a center of excellence. And a customer success center of excellence hence focuses on these three themes in the context of providing operational excellence in your customer success practice. Okay. So when you were at HPE, just as an example, what made you decide at that point that you needed a CS center of excellence there? That's a good question. And typically, you know, a lot of companies kind of get to this point sooner rather than later as their CS practices mature. But, you know, in the context of mid to big size companies like, you know, HPE or Cisco or even some smaller companies with sizable CS practices, you get to a point where your CS practice becomes big enough where it is geographically distributed, right? You have different CS teams located in different geographies servicing their own customers. And when you organically grow your CS teams, you end up in situations many times where, you know, your regional CS leaders are doing their own things in terms of defining their own journey mapping processes, engaging with their customers in their own different ways. I mean, each region has its own way of doing things. They have their own tools. They have their own practices. And you get to a point, and I've seen this in action, where customers start complaining about it. They're like, you know, hey, depending on, you know, who I'm talking to, I'm hearing different things. I'm being told that there are different processes to follow or different tools to use and what exactly is going on. And typically at that point, companies, you know, come to a realization that, hey, you know what, I think we have to build some standards around how we engage with our customers. Consistency becomes a big issue and a big ask, a lot of times driven by the customers. And that's when the focus really comes down on, you know, how to build out the operations for your CS practice. In big companies, you know, obviously the problem is very real because many of them have legacy CS operations, CS or customer engagement operations, so to speak. They have a lot of different people working with the customers, not just CS, other teams as well, right? And they have a lot of legacy systems and processes in place. So, how do you drive initiatives to standardize those? How do you drive initiatives, you know, to make them consistent across the board? I think that's where having a worldwide organization that can holistically look at all the processes across the board and figure out and basically take what's the best in them to figure out a consistent standard workflows to drive and to make sure that, you know, they can be adopted properly across the organization is what essentially was the impetus for, and usually is the impetus for, or building out COE organizations. Yeah, I guess I'm curious too, you know, how did you and your team approach building a center of excellence at HPE? What did you do to get started or what would you recommend doing to get started? 
Sure. And I'm going to answer this question more broadly, not just in the context of HPE, because I think uh, what I'm going to discuss really applies across the board. So, you know, most CS organizations, and I have built CS organizations myself from scratch. Uh, and when you start building your CS organization out, usually the focus is on your high touch customers, right? So you hire your first few CSMs, you look at how do you basically start showing ROI quickly for your CS practice. And that usually is by focusing on your biggest customers with the biggest ARRs and so on and so forth. The challenge that many CS leaders encounter when you're building your CS practices out is that what kind of data access do I have, right? Like, I mean, how do I know how my customers are doing? How do I keep track of their health? And how do I do forecasting? right? How do I do forecasting in terms of the resources I need, the kind of support I would need cross-functionally and so on and so forth. And most of the times, you know, there are really no systems in place for that. And that really is when, you know, you really start thinking about CS operations. And many CS practices start their CS operations by hiring maybe, you know, one or two CS ops analysts to help them with these kind of activities. And as the CS practice matures, that formally grows into a CS center of excellence. A CS center of excellence, you know, is not very common right now. Some of these big companies have started realizing the importance of having it, but it's not a commonly used term as far as I'm aware, but it's an emerging model as CS becomes more and more pervasive and as CS organizations grow, I think you'll you'll start seeing a lot more of CS centers of excellences evolve from what are currently small CS operations sub-functions that are supporting CS practices. Absolutely, I agree. And I think a big part of a center of excellence is standardizing workflow and getting that consistent across the organization. You've mentioned that in this conversation so far. How have you gone about doing that? Yeah, so a few different ways. At one of my you know, previous companies where I was hired to basically build out the CS team, again, the main focus area was focus on the high-touch customers, right? Like the top customers with the biggest AR, ARRs that was contributing to around like 25% of the total ARR of the company, like huge. So we addressed that problem first, you know, we had really good CSMs assigned to those accounts and, uh, you know, all that went well, great. Okay, so what happens next, right? And where we decided to focus on after that was onboarding. Now, onboarding is one of the most important workflows, right? I mean, that creates the first impression that that's basically one of the first parameters that could result in churn and a lot is riding on it. And at that particular point, we were not providing onboarding to any of our mid or lower tier customers. We didn't have resources to do it. And one of the first things that we thought, but okay, this is the problem that we need to address. How do we address it? We cannot throw bodies at it. So we basically hired our CS operations team to help us with this initiative, to help us with essentially operationalizing and automating our customer onboarding process by creating automated onboarding flows end to end. It was a very simple process. There was not, you know, a lot of heavy lifting, but it needed to be done. And in order for that to be done, we essentially had to have that kind of a mindset and think about it. And it was hugely successful from zero we, we were able to get to a point of offering a simple, not, not very complex, a simple onboarding experience to all our customers within a matter of three months. And that was great. That was great to report. You know, customers could actually see a difference. They were like, well, this never happened before. I mean, where is this coming from? So, you know, that's an example because when you think about operationalizing or when you use 
terms like CS Center of Excellence, I feel people wrongly assume that, oh my God, you know, this is like huge. and They do. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be that big. I think sometimes some of the simplest things are the most meaningful to clients. Yeah, they're the most meaningful. They really help move the needle. And, you know, you have to start small. You have to pilot it out. You have to convince your leadership. And that's how you know, you take it to the next step. And I would like to actually mention at this point that I'm actually writing a book on scaling CS, you know, using different mechanisms like your digital CS experience and, you know, building out customer success center of excellences and the steps to do that is something that I actually cover in my book, which might be of interest if people are looking to build out these kind of organizations. We'll have to have you back on when that's all done and we can talk to you more about it. (laughs) Absolutely. So that was an example. And, you know, there are other examples like at HPE, where we definitely double down on standardizing and defining our uh, CS uh, workflow, a customer journey maps, you know, for our uh, Green Lake business unit, which is the business unit that I was part of. So really getting in and defining, you know, HP companies like HP or Cisco, they have so many different services, right? I mean, you have so many different services. Customers are, you know, interacting with different sales teams, different customer success teams. Where do you even start (laughs) is the challenge with defining your customer journey maps. But it's really important to do that. And that's where we started. So you define your customer journey maps. You make sure that all the touch points are identified. You create listening posts to collect feedback across all of these different touch points. You map artifacts to all of these different touch points. If you're there are onboarding artifacts or adoption artifacts or expansion artifacts, I mean, really, you know, drill down and get all these different items defined and then decide where do you want to start executing? You cannot execute all over the board. It's impossible. So you have to pick and choose that, okay, you know what? I'm going to start with operationalizing my you know, onboarding flows, or maybe I'm going to start with my adoption flows, depending on where the need is. So those are the kind of decision points that you would have to make. But the first step is obviously defining your customer journey map. So Tell me, you know, as you've been working through the workflows, how do you like to approach scaling and personalization that goes along with scaling? Absolutely. So scaling is a big piece of it, right? I mean, that's really where I think your CS practices struggle with the most, because I think a lot of CS practices, as we've been talking about, are very comfortable with managing high-touch customers. The challenge comes Uh, when you're trying to scale your CS practices to your mid or lower tier customers. That's really where operational excellence and standardization and consistency becomes really important, right? Because you cannot have an ad hoc approach. I mean, for your bigger customers, the way you approach them and the way you have issues or provide them solutions might be case by case and by design. But as you move further down the order of your customer tiers, consistency becomes very, very important. And your CS operations and your CS centers of excellence become extremely important because in order for you to scale your CS practice, you have to be able to standardize your workflows. They have to be repeatable. That's extremely important. So you have to identify your customer segments, you know, what kind of customer journeys each of your customer segments have, what are the kind of touch points that they have, which of those touch points can you automate, right? Can you digitize? Which of them can you put in self-serve mode? Which of them, you know, would still need manual interventions? So you have to do that groundwork to be able to identify, you know, all these workflows uh, and processes 
and then you know be in a position to scale and i would actually like to make an important point here that you know a lot of times we do this backwards wherein you know they don't have to do it today they don't have to scale today but you know we start we put something together and then we realize that you know what i need to standardize this is not working i think we have to go from that mindset to a mindset where a cs leader when they are taking on a cs practice or building one starts thinking about scale from day one so they can put the building blocks in place for scaling so that they don't have to come back and do repetitive work because that's a very common theme right because if you don't architect your cs you know workflows in your cs tools properly to enable scaling to enable integrations then you would have to come back and you would have to do a lot of rework when you hit that point where you realize that you know you need to scale your practice but you know whatever systems you have in place so far whatever frameworks you have put in place will not work so you know very very important from a mindset perspective to start thinking about scaling from day 1 put those foundational blocks in place make your cs workflows modular and pluggable and you know that will serve you in good stead whenever you're ready to make that big launch from you know moving your cs practice or expanding your cs practice from your high touch customers to the next league yeah that really kind of leads into my next question which is you know how does technology fit into your plan and how do you think about that technology is key i mean technology is absolutely key what i call as the cs tech stack right and that's because of a variety of reasons one is your cs technical stack is basically going to drive your scaling initiatives your standardization initiatives and if your cs tools the ones that you pick do not support whatever standards you've defined you know whatever workflows and processes and automations that you've defined then you know you really cannot execute on them so that's extremely important the second reason why technology is important is because when you are building out your customer 360 dashboard you will need access to a variety of different systems right internally maybe you are pulling some data from salesforce maybe you are pulling some data from your support systems and so on so you know whatever tool stack that you pick needs to be able to integrate properly with these different systems to be able to pull data and maybe a to do a two way pull of data sometimes you might be pushing data to these systems because at the end of the day data accurate accuracy and integrity is extremely important because scaling and automations and digitization all of these things happen on the backbone of data right so if your data is not good then anything you know you drive beyond that or whatever leverages data processes leverage data are not going to be effective so the capabilities of your technology stack the solidity of your data model that you design which is essentially the backbone for your entire system both are extremely important yeah and i think you know one thing i see a lot and i'd love your take on this is I see companies buying technology really pretty early, maybe before they even need it, and then ending up with kind of a mess of different stuff, <laughs> none of which is being managed particularly effectively from a data standpoint. So it's like dirty data in, you know, a bunch of different systems. I think it it's interesting that you say, you know, the cleanliness of your data and the usefulness of your data is important. I think that in earlier stage companies that should be the focus don't go buy 18 different systems go buy one really good system and make sure your data is getting in there correctly 
Absolutely. And even before you buy your system, build your data model would be my, I mean, really build your, and again, this is one of the things that I touch on in my book where I, you know, provide a blueprint for how you build your data model. So I think that's, that's really, really important and underrated a lot of different times. A lot of uh, companies and CS practices hit on it by accident or when they get to a point where they're like, okay, you know, I have to pull data from all these different systems, but they have their own customer record. I have my own customer record, you know, it's all over the place and they can't talk to each other. So building this, you know, unified, centralized customer record and then, you know, tying the information related to that customer across the system by referring to that customer record and building that consistent data model, I think is extremely important. Then pick a tool, right? Or set of tools that would basically help you uh, get your desired business outcomes, whether that is uh, scaling, whether that is standardizing your workflows, whether that's, you know, all of all of them, all of these things and more. But you need to do your homework and you need to define your data models properly before you actually get into the tooling and execution. That is step two. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, so tell me about some of the results you've seen from having a center of excellence. How do you demonstrate the value of that approach inside your organization? So a few different ways, right? It really depends on what are the different kind of programs that your center of excellence is driving. And that that could vary from company to company. So a CS center of excellence can have the following within its scope of responsibilities. Obviously, you know, workflow standardization is a key theme. So you would have your CS information architects, you would have your CS process experts, and so on and so forth. And then systems and tools deployment is a big piece of it. So if you have your CS tools or your voice of customer tools, all of them would be, you know, deployed and managed by your CS COA team. You also have your learning and enablement, which typically falls under the purview of uh, your CS Center of Excellence. So making sure that your CSM are onboarded properly, they're trained and certified properly, and so on and so forth. And then in bigger companies, uh, you also have your CS communications and advocacy wing, where, you know, if you have really big CS teams with hundreds of customer success managers distributed geographically, how do you make sure that they stay motivated, right? And you know, if your worldwide team is rolling things out, rolling processes out, how do you make sure that, you know, they're getting adopted properly? How do you make sure that they're messaged properly? So your CS communications team can take care of that, but also communications to your customers, right? Maintaining user portal, acting customer events and things like that is very important. And then, you know, last but certainly not the least is strategic program management. So you can also have a PMO office that rolls up to your COE where, you know, key strategic programs, cross-functional strategic programs are being managed, like your, for example, customer readiness program, where if you're evaluating the readiness of your customers before they start onboarding, you know, it might involve some some inputs from pre-sales, from your, you know, CSMs and so on and so forth. And if you want any, you know, CSCOEs are, are usually logically the right place to run these kind of programs. And last but certainly not the least, you know, partner success programs, again, which are kind of an extension of your customer success programs. But if you want to expand your CS practice to also manage partner success managers, those are the kind of initiatives that are also driven by COE. So there are a lot of different ways in which you can demonstrate value. A few specific ones in which I have done it during the course of my career at different companies is through 
running CS certifications programs. For example, in my previous companies, I've actually launched CS and partner certifications where internally within the company, actually in one quarter, we got 90% of our customer success manager certified. And what that did was basically it creates a baseline, right? Because sometimes in your teams, you have, you know, people who've grown to be customer success managers, but maybe with not you know, the right kind of knowledge and information about best practices of what a CSM is. So I think it's very important to create that baseline through certifications. So we were definitely able to show that as a win when we said that, hey, you know what, 90% of our CSMs now have that baseline certification. Another important initiative was creating a baseline on the customer success tool adoption, where our company was basically struggling with, you know, a lot of CSMs refusing to get on the tool because they were just used to their, you know, old legacy systems. They were using Excel sheets to manage their customers and so on and so forth. So to create that environment to incentivize customer success managers to start using the same CS tool and to show them value in using that tool was, again, an initiative that was widely recognized and accepted. Having the CSMs use success plans, right, adopt success plans to create some structure around their customer engagements is, again, a very popular initiative for COE teams to take on. I mentioned, you know, partners earlier. So if you are expanding your CS practice to partners, uh, then, you know, piloting that program out, working with your partnerships team is also, you know, uh, another key program that I myself have driven in the past. But I think also other other uh, CS COE leaders can, can definitely uh, look at as you are building your CS practice out. And then there are other programs like, you know, your voice of customer programs, your NPS CSAT survey programs customer onboarding automations. There are a lot of initiatives that COEs and you know operational practices can touch on to show value. What are the top three for you is something that I think you as a CS leader need to decide based on the current state of your CS practice and your priorities. Got it. So, you know, given that there's a lot to think about, what's the biggest piece of advice that you'd give a CS leader who's trying to build a center of excellence inside of their own organization? Sure. I think that's a great question. And I would actually, you know, like to highlight a few things. The first one is really spend some time thinking about the why and then the how. So the first thing that I do when I typically, you know, take on this role of a CS operations leader is to really define my vision, mission, goals, and charter very clearly. Because you have to not only define it for yourself so that things are very, very clear to you, but you have to be able to defend it, you know, with your senior CS leaders, with your other executives in order to get the necessary funding and make sure that they are aligned with the direction in which you are going. Because you cannot strive for operational excellence in isolation. So you absolutely need the buy-in from both your leadership and your end users, So you could have all the buy-in in the world from your leadership, but if your end users are resistant to the change that you're looking to introduce, uh, then guess what? Nothing is going to move forward. So I think setting realistic expectations and getting that buy-in is extremely important. And then I think it's also important to understand that, you know, don't try to boil the ocean. Start small, you know, pilot things out, clearly pick two or three things that are pain points for your target audience and try to address them. I mean, that's your low-hanging fruit. Please show value within a quarter or two on what your practice and your team brings to the table and then build on that. Yeah, I, I love that last piece of advice because I think 
it can be very overwhelming. I mean, you just talked about a whole lot of different things that you could be thinking about as part of your center of excellence, but you have to start somewhere and you have to start small and simple. And starting with something that gives your team a win is one of the best ways to drive long-term change because they can see how they already got a win. So they're going to be more likely to want to continue with the effort of change. Absolutely. So, yeah, Absolutely. great advice. <laughs> and I cannot underestimate the importance of building that collaborative spirit and vibe, you know, extremely important uh, between success and failure. Yeah. Okay, last question. This is something that we ask all of our guests and a chance to kind of off-road from this topic. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success today and why? So I think one of the big trends that I see in customer success is this recognition that customer success actually drives the success of the entire company, not just of the customers. And I think we see this evolution in practice with more and more chief customer officers being promoted to CEOs because, you know, I think that's a natural evolution and that's a pretty recent evolution that is going on because companies are realizing that a customer-led growth model is really key for the long-term success of their own company. Yeah, absolutely. I had Chris Hicken on the show, gosh, a couple of months ago now. And he's very big on customer-led growth and how that can really improve organizations. And I think that that's finally starting to replace product-led growth in some ways in organizations where it's hard to lead with the product (laughs) Um, because of the complexity of it or because of the breadth of it. And so, yeah, I, I think that is a really interesting trend right now. Chitra, thank you so much for joining me on the show. And and thank you for sharing your experiences with building centers of excellence. Uh, If someone wanted to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way for them to reach out? They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. And um, your name will be all spelled out. I think I might have murdered your last name there at the beginning, but it'll be all spelled out in the show notes so people can find you very easily. Um, Chitra, thank you so much again. And I also want to thank our producer, Russell Bourne and our audio expert, Nika Rivers. This podcast is a production of Success League Radio. To learn more about the Success League's consulting and training offerings, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. And for more great customer success content, follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. You can subscribe to Success League Radio on Apple, Google, Amazon, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us next time.